started <clears throat> today this afternoon we're going to talk about hmm, yeah we'll talk about that <laughs> we're going to talk about the faith delivered to the saints the faith delivered to the saints there's some things that we need to understand about faith uh, we're not just talking about the word of faith uh, we we've learned about the word that comes to you and you apply it <clears throat> to your life situations but we're talking about a particular brand of faith the faith delivered to the saints is a brand of faith it is referred to in the bible as the faith so there's Faith is a spirit or a spiritual force. Also, uh, faith is one of the fruit of the spirit. But also, there is what is referred to as the faith. And we're going to talk about that faith. It's a faith that's been delivered to the saints. You need to know that the faith that we received when we received Jesus Christ, that's the one that's delivered to the saints. When you got born again, you traded in your measure of faith as the faith that every man is dealt. The Bible says every man is dealt the measure of faith. What makes the difference then in people who do great things in God with their faith and people who don't get very far or just get saved and don't live by faith? You know, there's tons of people that are born again, but they live natural. They don't live by faith. They're not studying the word. They're not applying the word to everything. They <clears throat> they look at life and they think, well, let me get my job. Let me find somebody to marry. Let me get this. Let me get that. Let me get that's not the faith they're using. They're not even living by faith. They're living out of natural man's abilities, They're living out of their wits, advice, uh, what Oprah puts out. They're living out of stress and strain and connections and, and uh, shortcuts and all of that. <clears throat> They're living basically a worldly existence. But the Bible says the just shall live by faith and there is a faith that's delivered to us in exchange for our measure of faith when we get born again when you get born again you sow the measure of faith that every man has it's the same amount you trade that in for the faith you trade that in for the faith that was delivered to the saints and then you enter into the kingdom and as a justified person, you live by the faith. You don't live by that little measure anymore. You don't live on barely get by street. You don't live halfway looking in the natural and halfway praying to God. You start living by the faith that's delivered to the saints. Okay? The faith that's been delivered to us is a covenant faith. It's complete it's not altered or adulterated. 
And it does not change as we go. This is a faith that works for everybody the same way all the time. What makes a difference is whether or not we're working it. But it works the same for everybody all the time. It is a faith contained within a blood covenant. A blood covenant cannot be broken. So this faith works, period. You can walk away from it. You can go and and backslide and say you're sick of church people and you're sick of God and you're sick of everything. You can run and you can hide. And when you come back and repent, that faith is still there to work for you. It's not diminished in any way. It's not damaged in any way. It is the faith. It works through a, a covenant which cannot be broken. A blood covenant cannot be broken. Which means God can't get out of it and you can't get out of it. You just live within the provisions of it. Or you neglect it and don't get the provision of it. But it's always there. It can be expanded, this faith. For instance, if you have faith to believe God for a job, that same faith will work for a promotion. Got me? Because if that covenant, if if that promotion is covered by the blood covenant, that faith will work on that. So that faith will work to bring it to you. See, this is why the devil bombards your mind with your faults, your flaws, your this is, your that's is. And you can tell him, well, devil, why are you looking at that? Look under this rock and find what else I've been hiding from. There's more junk where that came from. <clears throat> huh? But it's God's junk. I belong to him. I've given it over to him. He, he knows about it. And I've, I've repented of it. And I've put it under the blood. And God's forgiven me. And, and I'm going on with God, devil. You can stay here and talk about me if you want to. But I'm going on with God. So because this covenant cannot be broken, it can be expanded. That means the terms of the covenant can be further detailed by your faith. It can be amended within the limitations of the covenant. Because it's sealed with an oath and a promise. Two immutable things where God locked himself into it. The blood pays for, guarantees, and enforces our faith. Your faith, that faith that was delivered to you the day you were born again, is paid for, guaranteed, And enforced by the blood of Jesus. Which means anything that you lack. As far as being qualified, capable, anything like that. Is paid for 
in that covenant. So the faith for what you need to get from point A, lacking, to point B, receiving the promise, that's been paid for already. So it's no longer an issue of how much faith, great faith, little faith, whatever kind of faith. It's the faith and you operate in that faith and continue to move in that faith. And if it's little, it will go from little to great as you keep moving in it. You're not stuck somewhere with little faith. Where you beat yourself up, where you just can't believe for this and you just can't believe for that and I can't get this right. Now, it's, there's no such thing as that. There's only one faith that's been delivered to us and a certain brand of faith that's tried and true and will accomplish everything that that covenant says that we can accomplish in that faith. That faith will do it. It will be there if you will will operate in it, it will if you will embrace it and if you will step out in it, that faith will do and <clears throat> that's why it's no respecter of persons. It doesn't matter who embraces this covenant, it doesn't matter who embraces salvation, who embraces God, that faith is blind to who you are. All that faith knows is somebody has got me and got me working and I'm going to work with them and I'm going to go with them and I'm going to break down doors and I'm going to tear down barriers and I'm going to remove obstacles until they get what, as long as they're holding on to me and moving with me in my direction, I will do the work for them and get them where they need to go. That's the faith that was delivered to the saints. This is not some wimpy faith. It's not some whiny faith. It's not some, I can't do it, and I don't know why I can't do this, and why I can't do that, and I don't know why I'm stuck here, and maybe I didn't do this enough, and maybe I didn't do that enough. That's not the faith. That's not what we're talking We're talking about a power that works in you, and as long as you embrace it and let that faith direct you, that faith itself has the the ability to propel you into whatever promise God has promised you. It's not short on anything. It's not lacking in any way. It's it's got everything you need to get you where you need to go. You've got to trust in that faith. It's the faith of the Son of God. It is a protected faith. The blood that was shed to pay for that faith makes it overcoming and powerful. It's overcoming and it's powerful. The blood of bulls and goats couldn't do that. Old Testament blood could not do what this blood, the blood of Jesus Christ did to secure that faith for us. Why? That covenant was removed because it was weak. It had to be carried out through the flesh. So God removes one so he can establish the other. So we're established in this faith. This faith will take you from, I don't care what position you are 
in life. It will take you from that position to whatever position you can aspire to in God. This faith will do that for you. And it's not like you can do something to that faith to make it small and mess it up. And I can't do And I don't have enough. I don't know as much word as Pastor Shirley. I don't know as much word. It's not really about that. It's about you obeying the spirit of faith that was delivered to you just like mine was delivered to me. See, I'm trying to work my covenant. And get myself to the next level, you you best be doing the same thing. You understand me? Because it ain't about me sitting here comparing me to you. It's not about that. See, that's not going to get anybody anywhere. What's going to get us somewhere is recognizing what we have and employing it in every situation in our lives so that we can receive what God has ordained for us. Everything that you desire that comes through this faith is an inspired uh, endowment to you. God inspired it. It just is not just something you made up. Well, gee, let me think about how much, what kind of job I want to have and how much money I want to make. Well, yeah, I'm just going to name it and, and, and God's going to bring. No, you're in, this, the, he inspires you. You have an inheritance. An inheritance is an inspired impartation. God already saw what you needed. He knows what gifts you have. He knows what you're going to do in life. He knows what he's called you to do. And so he's ordained all of these things for you. You're not going to fail at this. You understand me? Listen, it's not about, this is, a, this is a trick the devil pulls on people. He gets you in a situation where, uh, say, you're applying for a job. The average person thinks that that person sitting across from them is the one that decides whether they get their job or not. If you have a covenant with God, it don't work like that at all. It don't work like that. When God ordains, he orders it. It must be so. That's the way it is. So you go in there with the it must be so preceding you in that. I I flipped the ring off. It'll, It'll show up at some point. And so... It's down here somewhere. When you go, well, thank you, honey. When you go, well, here, you can keep it. No, you can't have that one. Here, I'll give you the bottom one. See if this fits one of your fingers. You've been begging for my jewelry all day long. Uh-huh. I hope you ask God for it. Let your request be made known to God. See, I've had that ring. I've had that ring over 25 years. That's one of the first rings my husband bought me, so. And you better not put it in no pawn shop either. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But uh, see, we're working her little faith. You see what I'm saying? Rings. <laughs> Got rings jumping off people's fingers. <clears throat> but you go into a situation assured 
those people don't have nothing to say about whether or not you get hired. These things are ordained of God. But see, let me tell you why, why people get hung up there. Because they don't go in faith. It's because Let me tell you what this faith also does. This faith is protective. When you go in faith, it insulates you from you. You are protected from yourself. You're protected from your pride, your low self-esteem, your fears, your misgivings, your bad record, your bad credit, your bad everything. You're protected from all of that if you go in faith. You go in the power of God's word. If you screwed up your last job and they fired you, you go to God and you repent. You say, God, I let the devil trap me into getting involved in gossip and stupidity. And then people got stuff on me and I was too stupid to wake up and realize the devil was setting a trap for me. And I lost that job. Please forgive me and give me another chance. When you go in there again, there's no recollection of anything you did wrong. So your faith insulates you from you. Hmm? We need protection from ourselves. You know, we are our own worst enemy. They don't like me. They don't do me right. And then people don't even know you. You got just as good a chance as the last Joe Blow that came because they don't know them either. Huh? Some of us look better on paper than we do in person. Huh? That's what you, you gotta have, you, you gotta trust God to let your, your presence match your resume. Cause everybody looks good on paper. But you got to trust God to, to match what you look like when you get in there with what's down on your paper. If you have any doubt about that, you're, you're toast. You wind up stepping out of faith and over into the natural. And then you line yourself up with all the other sinners that came in applying for it. See, you get in there, you start getting over in their category then when you step out of faith. So this faith insulates you from you. From your negative report about yourself, your insecurities about yourself, your misgivings, your malfunctions, your misfeasance. And malpractice. (laughs) All of that. Frees you up from a bad record. Some of you have just, you you really don't have no real record. Your record is in your brain. You start thinking every mistake you made, every wrong turn you made in life, everything you did wrong and you think that person that just met you sitting across from you looking at a resume knows that about you 
So this faith is a protected faith. The weapons of our warfare protected. The spirit of power, love, and a sound mind protects you from letting go of the faith through reasoning. You start reasoning yourself out of expecting what God has for you. You start out daring to expect good. And then pretty soon you start talking yourself out of it. So this faith is a protected faith. Weapons of our warfare protected. A shield of faith protects faith. I'm going to say it again. The shield of faith protects the faith. If you believe that that the faith of the Son of God is capable of bringing every need that you have in life into your life at the right time, that's the right amount, it's not diminished in any way, it's there for you, it's effective, it's working, all of that kind of stuff, then that that faith is a protected faith. You've got to believe that that faith will do exactly what needs to be done when it needs to be done. All you've got to do is have faith in God. Believe his word. Trust his word. That his word will come to pass. Begin to make that faith more available to yourself by saying the word. Speaking the word, meditating on the word, hiding the word in your heart. That's how you protect the faith of God. The word of God protects it. Makes it strong within you. The word of God brings your faith alive. Gives it focus. Huh? It gives us something to work on. Angels protect your faith. If you're under authority in God's kingdom, you have all the angelic protection you need. Now, why did I say that? Because it's true. You see people that don't go to church, when they go to church, they don't like nobody, talk about everybody, backbite everybody. And then their life is a disaster. The Bible says rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. So they have a lot of demonic influence in their life and a lot of demonic input. They go to get a job and they get in a company where somebody's stealing money and they get blamed for it and they're a Christian. Hmm? You track it down somewhere. Something, now God's faith, there's nothing flawed in the faith. There's nothing flawed in the word. There must be something flawed in the way that person's life lines up protection-wise because that's a protection problem. Huh? Because you can go to work and I can go to work and we can have business as usual. 
You can do that for 40 years, retire, get a gold pin, get everything you need. And then there's this other person over here who is a Christian. And every time they get involved in something, it's a disaster. It's because they're not their faith isn't protected. See, you're operating in a protected faith. You go out, you make your application, you get a good job, you get a good paycheck. Your paychecks never bounce. You stay in a place where you're supposed to be. You're secure in what you do. Many people start businesses. They have to deal with clients one-on-one. If your faith is protected, that means your faith goes out and it gives that client a bill and the client pays on time. Huh? You don't have all this wrangling with. Now, you know, I know sometimes you, people make errors in judgment. You know, something, something told me I shouldn't have let them make me do all this work without getting a depositor. You know, that kind of stuff. Everybody, you know, well, you, next time something tells you, you obey something. Because, see, that was where your protection was. Okay? That was the Holy Ghost. That wasn't something. Huh? Keep calling him something and you're supposed to know him. Come on now. But if you invest your faith in something that you desire for your life, the faith will bring you what you desire. It will bring you what you ask for without It won't bring you something broken. It won't bring you something fragmented. It won't bring you something sickly. It won't bring. God didn't even want them bringing sick animals to him as an offering. He won't give you anything sick. If he don't like it, he don't want it for you either. I watched. I watch people pay the price to hold on to the faith, the faith that gets delivered. It can slip away from you because of difficulty. Tribulation will cause you to let go of that faith and then start trusting in your reasoning, trusting in what you see, trusting in... But see, you can hold on to the faith and pull it out in situations and make it work for you. Bridget, with her first baby, when she was expecting, threatened to miscarry, I think, what was she, four months or five months or something? Five months. And she needed, was it 30 weeks or 28 weeks? 32 weeks. Before they were sure the baby would be able to survive. And I saw her hold on to the faith. See, it started to slip when the baby started to miscarry and they put her on bed rest. And every day she sat under the word. I would call her every morning. We pray. I said, Betty Ford. You know, we were, at that time it was a Betty Ford clinic. I called her Betty Ford. I said, I'm checking in, Betty Ford. That was my little joke name for her. And we pray every morning. She stayed under the word. <clears throat> little Ryan was born, and you all know he only lived eight days. 
but she held on to the faith. And the doctor said 32 weeks. She felt that that was where she would release her faith for the baby to be born, and she didn't know what the condition of the baby was, but God took him home to be with him at eight days. But because she held on to the faith, it was given to her, it was delivered to her. She paid the price to hold on to it. She's had two normal, healthy children with no problem. You understand what I'm saying? That faith that she held on to worked for her two more times without fail. You understand what I'm saying? And if she wanted to have another one now, she could. Because that faith will work for her without fail. But you've got to hold on to it. And when you see it slipping away, you've got to do what you've got to do to hold on to it. Once you grab it and hold on to it, it's yours. It'll work for you again. There's nothing she desires to do in life she can't do. And you all seen her do it. She has good job that she can, she's good at, where she's able to, she was making more money than her husband, and then that faith inspired him to do better. Now he's making more than she is. You understand what I'm That faith works for you like that, but had she not paid the price for that faith, it would not be working. She'd be losing babies left and right. Losing health, losing jobs. You you understand what I'm saying? That faith, if you will pay the price to hold on to it and protect it, it will work for you. You get out from under authority. If she starts getting crazy and telling her mother off, and you understand what I'm saying. You start getting fishy any kind of way. That faith won't work for you. It's a holy faith, folks. Most people talk themselves into their own tragedy. They get too full of themselves. I want this for me. God didn't do this for me. I got to have this for me. You keep doing that. This faith does not work in that atmosphere. I don't care how much you like that person. This faith will not work in that atmosphere. They're going to have to get in this, they're going to have to get in the holy atmosphere for this holy faith to work for them. It's a protected faith. It's a guaranteed faith. It was delivered to us by his blood. This faith is unflawed in its ability to produce results. It's unflawed in its ability to produce results. This faith has been tried and no fault has been found in it. Remember Pilate? Yeah. The same faith that, that took him to, to the Roman guards and and brought him through on the other side. Uh, This faith was tried and and no fault was found in it whatsoever. So there's no fault in this faith. There's nothing wrong with this faith. 
what happens is people do wrong things with it. They evaluate it wrong. They judge it wrong. They think there's something wrong with them. And it has nothing to do with them. This has everything to do with the faith of God and very little to do with you. All you do is believe what God says about it and hang on for the ride. And don't let go. And when you find it slipping, you grab with everything you got to hold on to it. I forgot to give you a scripture, Jude chapter 3. I mean, Jude 3. One, there's only one chapter, verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. This is the salvation that everybody who's saved in Christ has. It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend Now, why would he, he said, it's needful for me to tell you to earnestly contend for this. I mean, make it serious. Make it serious business in your life. To contend for this. In other words, when you find it slipping away, you fight to hold on to it. When you find yourself doubting that God loves you and he wants good things for your life, you fight to hold on to it. He says, you earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. And he talks about people creeping in unawares, stealing it from you with fables and lies and their put togethers and perversions and twists and turns and all these different anointings. You know, you got the this anointing and the got the breaker anointing. You got the, you got the haya sha, kudumasa. <laughs> you know, make them up as you go along. It's whatever you know. You call it whatever you want to. You playing with people's heads. You're not really teaching. You don't have a word open teaching them anything. You just messing with people's heads. You. Confer titles on the anointing. You can. We got anointing for houses around here. Anointing for cars. I'm anointed for this and anointed for that. And we have the anointing doing everything but what Jesus told us it's supposed to do. And that's heal the sick. (laughs) Bind the broken hearted. People come into church brokenhearted and leave with a new anointing. They'll make you sing that you're anointed. Just to indoctrinate you and make you believe it, whether it's true or not. This really is a shared faith. We share it with all saints. And there's enough for you, there's enough for me, there's enough for everybody. But it is the same in its ability, it's the same in its history, it's the same in its efficiency. 
we have faith examples of the validity of this faith. The Bible says those who are of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. We're not blessed like him. We are blessed with him. We have the same blessing. Not a similar blessing, but we have exactly the same. So really, we have that brand of faith. We have the Abraham brand of faith. That faith was delivered to the saints. The Abraham brand was brought over into the new covenant and delivered to you and to me and to everybody who's ever been born again. We traded in our measure for that brand. So being blessed with him, that's why it's not a problem for sometimes people to believe to be very rich and be a Christian. It's why it's not hard for some people to be believed to live to be a hundred years old and be a Christian. They're blessed with the same faith. The same faith. That's why it's not hard for some people to make mistakes and get up and go serve God. And if you try to stop them, they just look at you like you crazy. Well, you can't do that. You don't even talk nice to people. Watch me. Watch me. See, because I'm blessed with Abraham. I'm not like him, with him. So I walk in the same faith. Everything that that man did, we do if we walk in the faith with him. Things that he dearly loved. When God told him to part with it, he parted with it and didn't cry. Huh? Because we're blessed with him. Not like him, with him. If there's something God wants, needs you to, to, to sacrifice for the good of his kingdom, you do it, you can do it because you're blessed with him. See, this will help you out because this is where most people back the car back in the garage and put, put the key back on the table and go to bed. It's when God tells them to release certain things out of their life to bless somebody else. Huh? See, that's the real test. Test isn't whether you can get it, you know, and you can possess it. But after you possess it, can you part with it if God tells you to part with it? Huh? We're blessed with him. Abraham thought all he had to do was sit back and count his children when God told him Ishmael wasn't the one. Well, he screamed. I can hear him screaming myself because I felt the same way about something. Oh, Lord, don't ask me to do that. Huh? Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Hurt him to his heart. 
But God told him, don't worry about it. Let me take care of you. God will never ask you to part with something he won't take care of you in the loss of it. In fact, immediately when it's released from your hand, you start to see it as gain if you're in God. See, when, you, when you're in the faith, you look at things that are released from your life. As seed planted for something better in the future and you start living in the life of the future harvest instead of the departed seed. That was just a seed anyway. You ever tried to make a meal off pumpkin seeds? I double dog, triple dog dare you to bust open enough of them and eat the inside and get full off of it. That's a tough cookie right there. But see, you can live off the fruit. If you plant the seed and let it die, you can live off the fruit. Our problem is we covet seeds. We covet seeds. So we are of faith and we are blessed with faithful Abraham. Actually, you and I are the stars in the sky and the sand of the sea that he saw. That's you and that's me. When he says he was a father of a multitude and he looked up and he said, God said, look up, can you count them? He said, that's how, how, you're, how many of your descendants there will be in the earth. So when he was looking up and looking down, he was looking at us. His heirs, the ones who inherit the, the earth and everything in it, belongs to us as the heirs of faithful Abraham. But we must stay in the faith in order to get our inheritance. It's not something you work for. It's something you believe and receive. I'm going to say it again. It's not something you work for. It's something you believe and you receive. When you look at Abraham, you see the natural side of the blessings of God because it was an old covenant. It was a flesh covenant. It was to be carried out in the flesh. But you do see the natural side of the covenant blessing. When you look at Christ, you see the spiritual side of the covenant blessing, which is far superior. So with Christ, you get the origin of the covenant, and it'll work to bring spiritual blessings and it'll work to bring natural blessings. Abraham really only had the natural. He had a relationship with God that was based on the law and the operation of certain things in obedience to God. Circumcision was the biggest thing that he had to obey to keep his covenant with God. So we have an inherited faith. And we have a family brand. The Abraham brand of faith. It can do everything we need when we receive it 
because it was delivered to us. Undamaged, unbroken, unhindered, full of effectiveness, full of force and power, 100% effective in everything we need to do. 100% effective. 100%. So there's no sense in trying to think what you want God to do for you and wondering if he's going to do it. It's already written. It's already written. All we have to do is look at the covenant and get inspired for what to believe God to do for us. You read the pages of the Bible and God begins to breathe this word into you. It's just, you know, you can read something. You say, mm, let me stop on that. You receive it just like that. It's, it's inspired word. So you don't have to wonder if God wants this for you or wonder. Just get in here and get inspired. Get in here and let, let him breathe. All we have to do with this faith really is get out of its way and watch it work. Biggest hindrance we have is doubt. You can be doing good, getting excited about what you know God's going to do for you. You can have joy and you can be dancing around and, and, and everything's wonderful. And then all of a sudden both your feet hit the floor and you say, now I wonder if... Is, See, you got in its way. This faith was delivered to you and is working full force. And you stopped it. You got in its way and began to wonder. You began to doubt. You began to fear. You start getting bigger than God in your life. See, all you had to do was keep grabbing it. And pulling it in and grabbing it and pulling it and make it stay with you because you want to see it happen. Why can't what's wrong with us if we can't have what we want to see happen if we see it in the word of God? You understand what I'm saying? Why do we do that to ourselves continually? Then we want to blame somebody else for what we sit up and do dismantling God's word and not believing him and. Then finding 15 sermons to help us dissect it wrong. All we have to do is get out of the way of the faith and let it work. Just watch it work. All we do is encourage it along by saying yes and amen. Thank you, Jesus. I worship you, Lord. That keeps your faith alive. It keeps it active. It keeps it working. When you find yourself getting stupid and wondering, you say, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go right back to the first faith. I'm going to let it work. I'm going to keep it alive. I'm going to let it live. I'm going to keep it active. 
The Bible says the justified live by faith. The just shall live by faith. That means you are justified by the blood of Jesus. You are made just. You are made right. You are made flawless. You are made nothing's wrong with you. You are made there's nothing wrong with your faith. There's nothing wrong with your believing. All you got to do is trust that God will do it for you. Well, see, I don't know if God will do it for me. Did he do it for Abraham? You are blessed with him. You have the same brand of faith delivered to you that he had. So we are blessed with him. We have a shared blessing with him. Which means if he got it already, we know we got it. Because we are blessed with him. What you mean? Abraham got that? I got that too. Because see, I'm blessed with him. When he looked at the sand and the seas and and the uh, the stars in the sky and said, that was me he was looking. I was his heir then and I'm his heir now. I'm blessed with him. I'm a partaker of that inheritance. I don't have to try and work out what I'm going to do for a living. It doesn't matter what I do. I'm going to be blessed. I'm going to be, I'm going to prosper in it. It's going to work for me. What do you like to do? Find out what that is and God will make it work. Why? Because you're blessed with Abraham. With him. Everything he said he his hand to prospered. When he was cutting up, he got rich. Huh? And see, we make one little mistake on our way to try and do to do right. We do a little wrong and we beat ourselves up for 15 months about it. And that's why I can't get nowhere in life because I did that one thing. That didn't stop him. And we got a better covenant, we say, based on better promises. We say. But we stop every single time. All we do, all, all the devil has to do is get you to look at your watch. And you start doubting God. What time is it? Oh, Lord, my blessing is late. I must be doing something wrong. And then you start searching through your mind to find out what you did wrong last time. It's got to be that. God's holding that against me. I'm just a low down, good for nothing sidewinder. But an hour ago, you was blessed with faithful Abraham. Which What's your problem? The Bible refers to Abraham as faithful. What do we have a record of him doing? Cutting up. Sometimes and acting right sometimes. Ah, that sounds like me. Huh? That sounds like me. 
I am blessed with faithful. I am faithful. I'm blessed with faithful Abraham. Whatever he did, I do it too. What did he do? The Bible says he believed God and it was counted. He didn't believe other people. He didn't believe the doctors. He didn't believe the lawyers. He didn't believe the Egyptians. He believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. You get stupid and step away from the word, step back into the word again and start believing God and it's counted to you as righteousness. Well, I just don't know if God can trust me. I keep stepping away from the word. Do you step back? I don't know who else he's going to trust. We is it. We is the whole show. It's an inherited faith. See, inheritance means something. You know what inheritance means? It means that it's somehow protected from generation to generation to generation. There's something special about it because it doesn't disappear from the earth. Things that disappear from the earth are flawed. There's something wrong with them because they couldn't withstand the pressure of the earth atmosphere. They couldn't withstand the pressure of being handled from one generation to one to the next generation and they disappeared from the earth. But this is an inheritance that has come down to us from that man, Abraham, all the way into 2014. And so there's something eternal and unstoppable about it. There's something unique about it. Because it can't be tampered with and diminished. It's the same faith. So it's come down through all these generations, untampered, unmarred, able to do the same thing, able to have the same effectiveness, bring the same results. It's the faith that's been delivered to the saints. It works effectively. There's no such thing as... I wish I could get to where Abraham got to. You're there. You're there because you have a better covenant based on better promises. So that's how people can come into the kingdom and start to believe God supernaturally for great things. And they've not been saved very long. They just stay with the faith. They don't stop and let religious holy people talk them out of believing God because when I was your age in Christ, it didn't work like that. See, you just can't get born again and start doing stuff like that. When we live by faith, 
we put God first in everything. We don't want to do anything without his guidance, his direction, his leadership, his sanction. If the just shall live by faith, they shall die by doubt. See, faith gives life, doubt kills. Hmm? Justified people, if you've been justified by God, it's an automatic thing. You don't have to think about whether or not you want to use your faith for this. It's an automatic thing. You just begin to speak what God says. And you begin to let release faith and let it work for you. Because that's the only thing you have any trust and confidence in. So faith causes life. Faith brings life. Doubt brings death. You ask people that have started listening to tapes and got a little bit of healing and started getting, letting their mind wander. <clears throat> it's a good way to wind up dead. When you want it to live. You know, and I'm not judging people. I mean, I know sometimes it's just easier to go home and be with the Lord when you really know the Lord. You understand what I'm saying? But there are some things, too, that God wants you to do while you're here. Don't be so selfish, you. Huh? Just tough it out a little bit more like everybody else is toughing it out here. The justified person, it's not that they don't experience doubt. They just don't feed it. See, they know how to starve the right things and know how to feed the right things. Huh? They know how to starve the right things and they know how to feed the right things. Sometimes we get lazy in our thinking and just kind of let thoughts of doubt hang around and don't do anything with them. And pretty soon they produce some fruit. That's when you get scared. I didn't know it was all like that. Yeah, it is all like that. Because you're not responding to the word like a justified person. A justified person, doubt is your enemy. Because it brings death To that that Jesus died for you to possess. Hmm? Doubt's kind of like an insult to God. When he's given you the faith that works all the time. And works effectively to bring you the results that God died to give you. And then you entertain doubt on top of that. When we start to sense, you know, some kind of discontent, those are the first warning signs of doubt, you know, disease, sickness, death, all comes from withdrawing your faith from your life. You don't want to live by faith anymore. You start living out of your emotions. You start living out of your wits. You start living out of 
You know, what can I do to make me feel better? What can I do to make me happy? What can I do that's interesting? What can I do that's justified? People live by faith. It doesn't have to be interesting. It doesn't have to be fun. Huh? It doesn't have to be any of that kind of stuff. Why? Because you live by faith. Faith has it. Faith is not always future oriented. It's not like I'm feeling good because I know something better's coming. I feel content because I'm living in the faith of God now. And there's a now element to faith that sustains us with a contentment, with a certain uh, 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 amount of I could stay here forever and be okay, but I know better is coming. I know the promise is coming. See, faith isn't always, I'm just, I'm confessing to bring it in. Faith isn't always about over there looking at it and wishing you could have it here. Faith is about here. Being a contented place and a place that you can enjoy. See the green pastures, the still waters. You know, all of that within you, giving you a sense of inner well-being where your, your emotions aren't touching that. This is beyond your emotions. This is bigger than You know, I wish I had that because I love that kind of stuff. See, that's childish. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's that's really petty. Because, see, most of the things that we crave, we're going to leave them here anyway. And we strive and we carry on about things that will perish with the using. You can't take them with you. Naked you came into this world. Trust me, when they get you at the funeral home, naked you going to go out if your folks don't bring you some clothes. Huh? It's the truth. They can throw that in the casket with you if they want to, but it ain't going nowhere. It's going to rot and be, you understand what I'm saying? So we might as well live the life of faith. Where we live in a contentment where if we were to look at what's there in the natural and know what's missing, we're not moved by it and we're not anxious about when it's going to come. That's what living by faith means. It makes no difference how long it takes God to bring something to you. Makes no difference whatsoever. Y'all can exhale. There's too many people sucking up wind in here, holding their breath. Let some air out. You know, you act like I told them the Pope died or something. Whoever y'all like real a lot. But I'm going to say it again. Because people don't understand this about faith. Do you know that you have an inheritance and everything God has laid up for you is on a schedule already? 
you can't pull it in no faster. You'll confess it. I'm going to have 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 it. I can have what I say. I can have what I say. I can say I can have this. I can say I can have it. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's going. 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 And check this out. The real rich people, they done got on some kind of trip now where they tell them, they say, we're not leaving our children anything. We're leaving it all to charity. Our children, we've raised them to be able to be successful people. and We trust that they will be able to take care of themselves. So even the sinners can't get anxious about when it's coming. Huh? That's kind of unlawful anyway. You know moms is going to leave you something when she dies. You get anxious for it. You might move her on out of here. <laughs> I mean, some of us get hard on them confessions and we could kill somebody with our words, man. This I gotta, 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 gotta get it. I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get it. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Give somebody a high five next to you and tell them I'm getting it. I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Slap somebody upside their head and say I'm getting it. You know, and the poor sinners are standing outside the door looking as, oh, this ain't the meeting. I no way. No way. You can't care how long it takes. The minute you start caring, doubt will come and take you down. Hmm? Doubt will come and take you down. A lot of things you can't care if you get them or not. Not a whole lot. Because lust will start grabbing onto your heart. And you'll grab something and not let go of it. And by the time it, you get it into the natural, you realize it ain't what you thought you wanted from God anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, people get in a, let the devil get them mixed up. You know, you get too much mixture in your life. The things that we desire from God are holy things that have to keep, we have to keep sanctified and set apart from the world's influence. You have to protect those things as precious things. And you thank God for them and you're blessed. But you don't go around uh, wondering where it is and where it's going to be and when it's going to come and, all, and and you pray about it and you keep your faith intact for it. But it's set apart in your life so that only God can work on it. Because it's important to you to get what God wants for you to have. I mean, in all things, there's no there are no things that can come into your life that you don't care how they get there. You want your faith to bring everything in. You want your faith active on everything that comes into your life. 
people have let go of things they're believing God for because they get a glimpse of what it is in the natural and they don't like what they see. And they let go of the spiritual because the natural doesn't look like. Y'all ever seen an ultrasound? That don't look like no baby. They tell you, I see this and I see. If most people judge whether they like that baby from the way the ultrasound looks. I mean, some things are good to be able to see and some things you wish, you know, back in the good old days where they just held on to the belly and just thank God for and rubbed the belly and loved the baby and didn't know if it was boy or girl, if it was looking like Uncle Buck or, or Aunt Lou or who it was looking like. You know, them was the good old days because it was a blessing no matter what. huh? Nowadays, people can look at so much stuff in the natural and negate their faith because your faith is bringing that in and you looked at it in its premature form got a little peaky boo huh (laughs) you know you people Say, for instance, you're separated. Say you're separated from a husband. And you're believing God to bring him. Well, 15 times during the year, you're going to see him looking ugly. You're going to see him looking rough. And you you mess around and your faith will <laughs> flush him down because you peeky-booed at it. And see, it's probably not the season, the time is not the right time for God to bring him back into your life. And then you start looking at him, looking ugly. We sure getting older. Look at all that gray hair. Ooh, what's wrong with him? Right. Now, now, if he in the house and he your husband, you can look at him all you want to. You know, I've been there. We, we kind of aged <laughs> like a fine wine. You know, <laughs> That old boy ain't looking, what is that he got? That wasn't, that wasn't there last year, 10 years. You know what I'm saying. You, you do the spouse evaluation. That's when they, when they in the house. But if they're out there and they're, they're attached to your faith and you start chopping off that faith lifeline, you leave that brother out there, honey. Mm-hmm. Based on what you see. Well, he ain't changed. God didn't promise you he's going to change. God promised you reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Well, he show is acting funny. God didn't tell you he wasn't going to act funny. <laughs> In fact, you act funny too. You understand what I'm saying? Come on, y'all. Let's be real here. You can't judge the fruit before the season of ripeness. You can't judge it. You mess yourself up. You mess your faith up. So justified people live. There's a life that comes to you when you're in faith. Whether you have it or not. Whether you're waiting for something. There's a life that faith brings to you. 
when you're a justified person. There's no problems. There's no cares, no worries. Nothing wrong with you. Nothing wrong with God. Everything's wonderful when you live by faith. You can stay in that place of blessedness and contentedness indefinitely. Because you don't live by whether or not you get the promise or when you get it. You live by faith. Hmm? You live by faith. When the blessing comes, your focus is still not on what it's brought in. Your focus is on your contentedness in your faith in God and your confidence in God. We are also joint heirs with Christ, and that's the spiritual side of faith or spiritual side of the faith. We are blessed in him and with him. We're blessed in him because he dwells in us and we dwell in him. So he really is the power that motivates us to desire what we desire, to work toward what we work toward, to want to go out and share Christ with people. All of that. He is in us, working with us and through us. And we are also heirs with him. So we have an inheritance with Christ. We inherit his faith as superior to Abraham's because the faith of the Son of God overcomes spiritual forces. Abraham's faith overcame natural forces. Anything that got in Abraham's way, naturally speaking, got moved out by his faith. If it was Pharaoh and wanting to sleep with his wife, if it was Lot uh, being overcome in Sodom and and losing his family uh, to the destruction in that city, if it was Lot's herdsmen and his herdsmen arguing about he overcame everything with his faith if it was offering up his only son he overcame that with his faith what does the bible say it said that he actually saw his son being raised from the dead in a figure huh he went up the mountain and told the men that were going up with him he said the lad and i are coming back down He prophesied that, and he thought, really, God was going to raise him from the dead. That's why he got that knife up that far, and God stopped his hand. And he said, you've proven to me that you don't want to withhold anything. This faith causes you not to cheat God and hold something back that he needs you to use so that you can go further in life. I'm going to say it again. This faith will cause you to not hold back on God, thinking that he's going to shortchange you if you give this thing to him. It's a giving faith. It's a forgiving faith. It's a faith that understands. So Jesus' faith overcomes spiritual forces.
we're blessed with Abraham. That's why Jesus can could teach and these people were just understanding the kingdom. This this ain't, you know, saints has been through you know, the seasoned saints. These are people just not hearing this stuff. The reason he could tell people who were just now hearing it, take no thought for what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. What do you mean? That's all I work for all day long. Man, I, I never know. I I can, I'm trying to save up enough money in the bank. He said, take no thought. The reason he can say take no thought and it not be something mean to say to people. You know, we think everything's mean nowadays. When he said, don't think about that. So really don't think about it. The reason he could say that is because you have a faith that's been delivered to you that will tell you that's coming to you. See, if you'll stay with the faith that's delivered to you and not try to figure out how you're going to do all this stuff. And he said, take no thought about that. Oh, God, Jesus, I'm so nervous about it. I worry so much. He said, well, consider the lilies of the field. What? You mean I got to think about birds and trees and flowers and, and I'm worried about my bills, Jesus. Huh? What do you say? Forget about it. Because if you will stay in faith, if you will pull that faith that's delivered to you back into its position, you will find it's all good in there. You'll find that you don't worry about what you got. You find you don't, you aren't concerned about. Well, see, you don't understand. See, I'm the only one. Well, that's a lie right there. Huh? Because you got God. You're not the only nothing. I'm the only one taking care of me. I don't have the. Yeah, you could have that and still not be able to depend on it. If you got any sense, if you got good sense, you ain't dependent on man. I don't care if it's husband, wife, mother, father, who it is. That faith gives you assurance of natural blessings. It'll give you an assurance that the natural side of your life is taken care of. You step into it for the first time, and it'll blow your cotton-picking mind how quick 15 years of worry or 10 years or history, a family history of worriers will dissolve because you embraced the faith that was delivered to the saints. You ever, you ever have something happen in your life and, and you have a peaceful response to it and you think to you, no, nah, I used to get, no, what happened to that? I used to get really mad. I used to get really, and you try to even make yourself feel that way again. That's because you're in the faith. See? Huh? That faith gives you assurance of natural blessings. You have assurance. God, I don't know you how you're going to do it, but you're going to do something. Because I'm believing you. 
Not because you're going telling everybody and dropping hints everywhere, but, but because you believe in God. These natural blessings, though, come at a spiritual price. That's the Jesus side of the delivered faith. There's an Abraham side for the natural, a Jesus side for the spiritual. Jesus paid the price for the spiritual, which delivers all of it to us. You got me? So it delivers the spiritual and the natural. The spiritual, you're going to find a superior. Because in between believing God for a bigger paycheck and a steak and a, you know, a, a free card to Wendy's or... You see how stupid it sounds? You know, we sound stupid when you... The reason he tells you to take no thought for those things is because what he has in mind for you to occupy your time with will blow your carnal mind. So he wants carnality way out of the way. Because when he tells you what he has planned for you, how you're going to affect everybody in your neighborhood with the gospel, how you're going to affect every, everybody that you talk to, everybody that you speak to, everybody. If you will stay focused on the spiritual side, you can draw from that well of spiritual truth. You can draw from that well of spiritual attentiveness where you know which person you need to talk to and what you need to say to them and when you need to say it, all that stuff. You can draw from that well. You don't have time to be worried about what you're going to eat, drink, and wear. You understand me? The two of them don't even mix somehow. But you go out and do what God told you to do and come home and see if something ain't sitting there somewhere that you maybe asked for and you got your mind off of it and you gave God a chance to bring it to you and he brought it to you just like that. Why? Because you took no thought. You obeyed him in that. See, to us, everything is hard to do or is human. Well, you know, you know, it's human to do so and so. I don't want to be human no more. I was human for too many years of my life. I don't want that no more. I know God has more than that for me. Obedience and service. That's the spiritual side of the covenant. The Bible says if you obey and serve the Lord, you'll spend your days in prosperity, your years in pleasures. You don't have to confess for a new car. You don't have to put a picture up on the refrigerator. And, and feast your eyes on it. All you have to do is obey and serve the Lord. Amen. Spend your years in prosperity, your days in pleasures. You can make that request known to God. And he writes it down. And go do something else. Quit confessing about it all the time. And God, I just want to show you. I re- I'm reminding you. That we got something. We got something on my plate. Yeah. Jesus enables us to obey God. See, we stick with him. That's what the faith will do. It will teach you that Jesus is the enabler. And he enables us to serve God. You stay humble to him. He will grace your life to be able to do so many things. 
He'll empower you to do so many things in God. The blessing of Abraham is assured because the spiritual side is superior. So you know if you master the areas of of spiritual attainment, the natural falls in, in line. The natural will follow suit. There's no evidence that Jesus ever wondered if the father was pleased with him, ever wondered, wondered about provision, ever wondered about anything. He's walked in faith. In faith is all good. If you can keep yourself in faith. And when his faith would start to waver or get weak, he would withdraw from what was messing his head up and go talk to the father. See, we're crazy enough to stay around people that mess our heads up and disconnect from God and start doubting him and go listen to somebody that don't have nothing, can't pay their bills. Huh? Come in and criticize what we're doing. If you obey and serve the Lord, all this other stuff is a non-issue. Whether God's pleased, you know, this wondering thing. wonder what I did wrong. wonder if God's pleased. wonder if God saw that. He saw everything. Most of it he don't care about. You know, if you're concerned about it, you might as well confess it and get rid of it. So you can get peaceful again. The faith, this faith brings kingdom results. Why? Because it releases the kingdom from within you. Luke seventeen twenty one says the kingdom of God is within you. Why? Because the king lives there. And it is released by the word of faith. Whatever words this faith causes to come up in your spirit releases the kingdom from within you. Know what the kingdom is. The Bible describes it as righteousness. Number one, right things will start, your life will start to adjust in a right way. Righteousness will start to be released into your life all around you. So releasing the kingdom from within you <clears throat> by the words of your mouth. For instance, if you have symptoms in your body, release the word of the kingdom. Let the kingdom come out and take care of your body. Leg, you're healed. Foot, you're healed. Eye, you're healed. Release the kingdom from within you. And then the kingdom will manifest itself where you direct it to. You direct your eye to be to have pain, leave it. That pain will leave your eye because you're releasing the kingdom out of you by the faith that was delivered to you that has no flaw, no fault. There's nothing wrong with it. It's perfect in everything. Well, suppose the pain don't leave. Well, stop that. Keep releasing. What's going to stop you from releasing the kingdom again? No, seriously. Why would you stop releasing the kingdom from within you 
just because some thought comes to your head and said it didn't stop right away. Well, that's true. It didn't stop right away. But is that going to stop you from releasing the kingdom? What are you lost confidence in the king? This kingdom? You lost confidence in Jesus already? You don't stop speaking his word? Might as well say, yeah, because most people do. Huh? See, the important thing is that we use our faith to release the kingdom. It's not that important how quickly it manifests. The point is, you've got a kingdom within you that can correct everything that's wrong in your life. Why wouldn't you want to release it? That's better than keeping it bottled up. That's better than releasing death and doubt. See, we missed the point. We're so naturally minded when we get involved in spiritual things, we don't know to stay with the spiritual long enough to get it to manifest right. So this faith works to bring kingdom results. We release, release a kingdom from within by the words of our mouth, the word of faith, where you have confidence in God. You release it on top of what's wrong. This faith overcomes the world. 1 John 5, 4. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even your faith. The world, where people, there's no morality. People take small children and beat them to death. Dispose of them. Uh, You know, now they're trying to say there's no minimum age where a person is sexually responsible or can be, you understand what I'm saying? Uh, the world that's deteriorating around us, this faith that we have overcomes that. So you see most Christians sitting around whining about what's wrong in the world and did you see this and they're doing that. They're, they're releasing more of the same. They're making a statement That the devil wants him to make because the devil wants to say how big and bad he is and how much damage he can do. And he gets Christians to bottle the kingdom up within them and start speaking what he's doing out there. Instead of releasing the kingdom. Well, I'd bind that stupid homosexual devil, that perverted child molesting devil in Jesus name. And I thank you, Lord. For righteousness to come back to people's lives. I thank you. I'm releasing your kingdom outside of me. I say righteousness will come to this earth again. I say people will respect one another. Respect their children. Get married. Have a normal life. Instead, everybody gets religious. You know, Jesus talked about the leaven of the Pharisees. That's part of it. Huh? He said they don't enter in the kingdom and they shut it up so you can't get in. Huh? 
They do it with a bunch of stupid distractions. Instead of equipping the saints, they get you in there and play games with you. Slap your neighbor and tell him, you have greatness within you. Just make sure it ain't a great big devil. See, that's not releasing the kingdom. He's, he's not even in the kingdom. He shut, it, shut the door so you can't get in there either. Huh? You listen to most of them, they don't preach enough word to keep a flea alive. Huh? It's the truth. Can't live off that. You know, after you get finished hooping and hollering, jumping up and preach, bishop. You know, you done had a day full of that. You go home and walk in the door. Your drunk husband pop you upside the head and blow this lip up. And you can't find Bishop to give you an ice pack to bring the swelling down. Drunk husband tell you, I told you if you go to that church one more time, I was going to hit you when you come in this door. You go into a church that don't give you the tools to bind a stinking drunk devil off of a husband who's sanctified and set apart for God to use him. This faith works in righteousness. Abraham believed God and took on God's character. Isn't that amazing? We do the same thing in Christ. You believe Christ and take on his character. It's amazing. So we have a righteous account. The Bible says he believed God and God accounted it to him as righteousness. Now, Abraham's righteousness increased over time. You see him doing more, progressing more, getting better at things. Now he's an intercessor. Now God's sharing secrets with him. He's climbing up the ladder as far as his spiritual life and his life with God is concerned. Most of it's manifested in natural ways. But you can see increase, improvement. You can see him going up. You see him going, getting more confidence in God, trusting God with more things, and God blessing him even greater and greater. So Abraham is increasing with God as he walks with God because he has an account with God. He has an account that has righteousness banked in it. But, Barb, what about his... uh -uh. God don't make a bank account with your mistakes in it. You're either in it or you ain't in it. If you're in it, it's accounted to you as righteousness. There is no account with deficits in it. If you're in covenant with God, you have to put your faith in there and your righteousness account is still there. You make deposits, you make withdrawals, he blesses you, you make deposits, you make withdrawals, and it still increases. You won't see any deducts for your mistakes. 
You couldn't pay for them anyway. So they never show up on your bank account. But it's accounted to him as righteousness and his righteousness increases. God is able to increase the fruits of our righteousness. There's more righteous fruit to show in your life with your life in God if you keep believing God. You doubted him. What are you going to do, quit? Huh? Or you repent and you go back to believing him again. And you pick up that account. That account still has your name on it. It still has your stuff in it. Whether you want your stuff or not, it's still got your stuff in there. It's accounted to you. Nobody else can draw from it. It's yours. So when you step into believing God again, you pick up in your righteous account. What's in my bank book? The same thing that was in it the last time you looked. In fact, we've added more to it because you stepped back in faith again. Huh? So your righteousness account is increasing. You mean to tell me you can do stuff wrong? I don't know about you can do stuff wrong, but I know the stuff I do wrong is not accounted against me. Huh? His, my sins and iniquities, he remembers no more. So I have an account with only righteousness in it. God don't count your sins. He works to help you get rid of them. You understand? If there's something standing between you and God, the Holy Spirit will definitely tell you this has got to go. Most people know what's got to go in their lives. If you can, can get rid of it, get rid of it. This faith works eternally. It won't ever quit working. It won't ever quit working in your life. You go put it to work and it will always work for you. It works eternally. It works supernaturally. <clears throat> Forget about people. If we could look up more than we look straight across, we'd be somebody. Huh? Always wonder what people think, what they going to say, what do they think when they, you know, they come in here, what do they think? And they think this and they think that. Forget about it. This faith works supernaturally. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We, this faith works on a much higher level than flesh and blood level. Much higher. But it does affect flesh and blood. And this faith works, brings good. Brings only good into your life. If you got bad in your life, you start using your faith. Latch on to faith. And you'll see that this faith brings only good in your life. Even if there's a temporary uh, uh, cessation in some blessing that you thought you just couldn't live without. It will eventually bring good into your life. This faith will. You can trust this faith. It was once delivered to the saints, and you have to learn how to keep it in your life. That's all you have to do is train yourself to keep yourself in faith. Don't be lazy and let your mind wander. You know, and drift off into something stupid or, you know, 
the real housewives. And they, that remind me of old no good neighbor I had one time. Then your mind starts tripping off on foolishness. You know what I'm saying. It's just that easy. That's all I'm saying. I'm not condemning anybody for what they watch. I watch stupid stuff myself. You understand what I'm saying? Ain't nothing that highbrow on TV. But you understand what I'm saying, you know. I mean, you can say you're watching dolphins and all this kind of stuff, but it's it's all pretty stupid. You know, waste of time. <laughs> but I'm saying that we have to contend. It means you've got to fight yourself. You've got to fight the world. You've got to fight your television. You've got to fight Facebook. You've got to fight all kinds of things to hold on to this faith that was once delivered to the saints. You have to realize you have a package of faith delivered to you. And that package has everything that you need for life and godliness. It's got everything in there. And if you hold on to that, that's the package you want. That faith will work for you. It'll work miracles for you. It'll bring you contentment and, and, and keep your mind from wandering off into lack yes. and what you wish you had and what you wish you hadn't done and nonsense. Huh? It'll do what God wants it to do for you. Praise God. Father, we thank you for allowing us the opportunity to hear your word, to understand your faith. It's a good fight, this fight of faith. We thank you that this faith was once delivered to the saints we possess it and we we know how to protect it and bring it and call it forth we know how to operate it to live by it and we thank you for encouraging us to live by faith no shortcuts no times when we don't have to believe god for things or we don't have to ask god or we don't have to bring god in on it we don't want that kind of life We don't want a sloppy life, but we want a life that's full of integrity where we know that this is the best life for us and we choose it above all other things. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Well, Howard, why don't you put on a little music back there? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you, whatever you think you need from the Lord. And-